everybody? Yeah, that sound guy didn't have my mic on. Just kidding, it was me. Um, hey, uh, welcome, because we have everyone at all these different campuses joining us. Uh, so we're one church that meets in multiple locations at Aberdeen, Edgewood, and uh, wherever the other ones are. Uh, we love you guys. Can we just say hi? Welcome to everybody on the other side. Hello, Abingdon. Hello, Mountain Road. Hey, guys, it's Super Bowl time, and I know some of you are wondering, I wonder if Ben has received any prophetic word from God about the big game between the 49ers and the Chiefs today. Were you wondering that? Wow, I was wondering it too. I was, I was like, gosh, I sought the Lord eagerly. I said, Lord, I beseech thee. Is there any word that you have for the good people of Mountain? And I began by crying out to the Lord. From my heart, I said, why, Lord, why are the 49ers in the Super Bowl again when the Ravens fell so short and the Vikings have never even been to the promised land? <laughs> and just then, as if a rushing mighty wind blew through my study and riffled the pages of my Bible and verily my eyes didst fall on a passage from 2 Samuel 1.23, which answers the question why the 49ers are in the Super Bowl. It says they were swifter than eagles and stronger than lions. <laughs> I said, this is from the Lord. And then I realized, did that say swift? <laughs> and I realized this had to be from the Lord because, of course, everyone's attention's on Taylor Swift. Will she be at the game? And I started noticing all these coincidences with Taylor and the number 13, which is her favorite number. Like this is Super Bowl 58, 5 plus 8 is, come on, that can't be coincidence. Taylor, if Taylor goes to Super Bowl, it would be her 13th Chiefs game. What's the date today? 2-11, 2 plus 11 is 13. If she flies from Tokyo to Vegas, the flight would be 13 hours, and the Chiefs are playing who? The 49ers, 4 plus 9 is... Come on. So naturally this morning, I'm doing my devotions in the book of Job, and I turn to chapter 4, verse 9 for the 49ers, because 4 plus 9 is, is 13. And what does it say about the 49ers? At the breath of God, they perish. <laughs> and at the blast of his anger, they are no more. This does not look good for the 49ers, according to the Bible, from what I'm seeing. So I said, Lord, is this for sure? I flip over just a page or two to chapter 7, verse 6, because 7 plus 6 is... 13. And what, what does it say? It says, well, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. So this, the 49ers are going to get swifted, and their day ends today without any hope. I said, I said, Lord, I'm still unsure. I mean, and just then, you're not going to believe this, but the heavens opened, and I heard a voice from on high, and it was, Ben, keep your eye on the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, because he has shepherded the Chiefs too many victories. And don't forget 1 Peter 5, 4. And I said, 1 Peter 5, 4. And I looked it up. And you know what it says? It says, when the chief shepherd appears, they will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And there you have it, folks, right there in the Bible. Could not be any clearer. The chiefs will receive the crown of glory. And the 49ers will have to shake it off. So there you go. You're welcome. All right. Okay, well, it's hard to take myself seriously sometimes. Well, the Super Bowl isn't the only important date. I do want to mention before we jump in something else. Because um, we're approaching Easter, believe it or not. It may not feel like it today, but it's coming soon. It's kind of our Super Bowl in a way. And I just want to, I want to encourage you to think intentionally about how you might 
use the, the period of time leading up to Easter to, to just draw closer to God. It's a time when Christians have historically done that. Uh, there's a 40-day window that starts next Wednesday. So you can call it Lent or whatever you want to call it. doesn't matter, but it's not in the Bible. It's not commanded, but it's a great opportunity uh, to, to just declutter your life and to devote yourself more intentionally to God. And uh, if you want to hear more about some thoughts I have about that, about how it's come to help me over the years, uh, there's a podcast I sat down with Gil and recorded. If you're into podcasts, uh, it's called The Walk. You can find it anywhere that you find good podcasts. And, um, and then also, I just want to mention that we start uh, next Wednesday, which is also Valentine's Day. It's Ash Wednesday, which is a day that we kind of begin that journey. And uh, we'll have services here uh, at noon and 7 p.m. at every campus. Um, we'll also, at the Mountain Road campus, have one at 7 a.m. And some of those services have child care, so you can check all that out. But it's just a time to come and, uh, again, just focus on Jesus and, 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 uh, and get started that way. And also, if, if there was one thing that you did, it might be that I would encourage you to sign up to receive our uh, brief daily uh, little, little um, thing we text to you. It's a daily podcast, but it's real short. Um, and we send it every day. You just go to this number here and you text the word Lent to that number. We'll send it to you on your phone every day. It's just a short little reading from Jesus, from the words of Jesus. So you can have some time every day just to kind of have a little devotional thought and a focus. So if you haven't got that in your phone, you should sign up for it. We'll start sending those next Wednesday. They'll go all the way to Easter, okay? You know, the teachings of Jesus have changed civilization and millions of lives. You know, it's your way of saying, Jesus, I want to hear from you. What are you saying to me? I'm open to you changing my life, okay? So I just encourage you to not miss that window of opportunity, all right? Still with me? Okay, we're in a series called More and Better to Come. We're celebrating, as you know, 200 years as a church, which is really, really cool. And, and we're kind of just using it as an opportunity to look back on some of the, like the hidden values that make Mountain Mountain, the... the um, the godly principles that we can devote ourselves to that, that I believe are part of the reason that God has been able to bless this place over the years. And it turns out that each of them are really awesome life principles that each of us can apply personally that have such a great impact on our lives personally. And we're going to jump in on one more of those today, and then we'll wrap it up with the last one next week. Now, I hate to bring it up again, but the focus on, uh, that seems like everything's uh, got their attention on is Taylor Swift. I mean, there's a Super Bowl. It's like, um, uh, will she be there? Uh, what will she be wearing? You know, what, what, what kind of lipstick will she have? Um, you know, it's just like, this is, I heard someone say, I heard Taylor's boyfriend is playing football during the Usher concert today. It's like, it's, like, it's all about Taylor. And um, some people love it, I realize. Some people hate it, I realize. So it's a good setup, though, for actually what we're talking about today. It's not all about Taylor, believe it or not. Here's what we want to focus our thoughts on, because it's one of the mantras that has held Mountain together for 200 years. It'll hold your life together when it matters most. And here it is. It's all about Jesus. Would you say that with me? It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece of our faith. He's like the core of the hope that we have. He's the shining star, if you will, of, of God's plan to restore the planet and fix everything that's broken. He's the missing piece of the puzzle that 
is, is the cry and the longing of every human heart. And whatever we do as a church at Mountain, whatever you do in your life, the one thing we must always do is never lose sight of the one simple but all-important thing, and that is, say it with me, it's all about Jesus. I'd like you to watch a video here. It's a short video. Um, it's a bunch of basketball players passing a ball around. I want you to keep, try to count how many times the players in white pass the ball, but don't count out loud because there's a test at the end. I don't want you to, anyone to cheat. All right, so go ahead and watch the screen. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? Did you? Check it out again. You're counting passes. Here comes the bear. And yes, he's moonwalking. And your part of you is like, how could I miss that? It's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? Caught up in following the ball, watching all the passes, and miss something so obvious as a moonwalking bear right in the middle of the whole thing. Here's the thing. Christians are famous for doing this, okay? Like, we're, we're followers of Jesus Christ. We take our name from him. We have our hope in him. We're supposed to look like him, act like him, walk with him, talk with him, know his voice, become more like him. That's our job, but sometimes we just don't do it because we're so caught up in passing the ball around and doing all this other stuff that we don't even notice sometimes he's there. You ever gone through a whole day and never thought once about Jesus? There's my proof. We can major on the minors. We can get caught up and distracted by so many things. We get busy that we forget the one who's in the midst, who's at the center of everything. Friends, listen, Jesus doesn't want to be a moonwalking bear. Is Jesus a moonwalking bear in your life? Where, where, where we just get so busy that we're passing the ball around between our school and our work and our, our plans and our schedule and our problems and our fun and our planning and our money and all this stuff, and Jesus is just like he's lost in the middle of it all. What are we even doing if that's the case, right? Friends, it's all about Jesus. So we got to get back to Jesus. One time when I was in a really busy period of my life, uh, I was a full-time student, full-time fiancé, full-time pastor, and a full-time a few other things, and somebody kind of sensed that in me, and they handed me a reading. And I don't remember everything about it, but basically, you know what the title was? get back to Jesus alone. And it was something like, you know, when you can't remember the 22 characteristics of a good husband or wife, and you can't remember the five love languages and, and, and the, the seven steps to financial peace and the, the eight things to do when you're worried and the, the four spiritual laws or the eight spiritual flaws or the top 10 things of the top 10 Christian influencers that they tell you you're supposed to remember every single day, just get back to Jesus alone. When you don't know if you're coming or going and whether you're supposed to sit at Jesus' feet or, or walk with him along the way or stand firm or run the race, just get back to Jesus alone. 
When when you've been told that you're supposed to hear the Word or read the Word or memorize the Word or study the Word or, or meditate on the Word and you're lost somewhere in the middle of the book of Leviticus and can't understand any of it, it's time to get back to Jesus just alone. When you're confused by even the songs we sing and the words of some of the worship songs because one says you're supposed to be filled and one says you're supposed to be overflowing and one says I'm so full of joy but really you're just feeling sad that day and it tells you to raise your Ebenezer and you're not sure where that is. It's time to get back to Jesus just alone. When you've read your fifth Christian post online in the last few weeks that claims this is it, and you tried it, and it didn't work, it's time to get back to Jesus alone. And when you heard someone say, thus saith the Lord, and someone else said, oh, I heard the Lord say, and then someone else said, I, I, I heard from the Lord, and it all contradicted each other, and you start to get the picture that maybe the Lord isn't saying all these things. It's time to get back to Jesus alone. We've got to separate Jesus' clear commands from Christian demands and, and get back to the simplicity and the beauty of this one who says, look at the birds in the sky and the lilies of the field and just look at how they just know I'll take care of them. And can you just hear Jesus say, I love you. I got you. It's all about Jesus. I've always tried to remember that. You know, churches need the same advice, right? Because churches get, get so caught up in a mountain, we don't ever want to be like, oh, there's a moonwalking bear that gets lost in this church. For 200 years, we've tried to be a Jesus-centered church, to put him first, follow his voice, hold him up, and make sure everyone always gets that. It's all about Jesus all the time. You with me? Let's see how clear this is in the Scriptures, because when you go to the Bible, it's like everywhere, Right? So, like, you can't escape the fact that Jesus is the focal point of, of God's plan through history. Like, the whole Bible. Want me to summarize the Bible for you? Old Testament, Jesus is coming. New Testament, Jesus is here. Here's the difference it makes. That's the whole point of the Bible. Starting with creation, the Scriptures say Jesus was there, and all things were created in him, for him, by him, and through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. And then all the prophets in the Old Testament, their one job is to point the way forward. And you don't look at the finger, you look where it's pointing. And where does it point? It points to a special one who's coming, a Messiah, a holy one, a one of God who would come like a neon sign just announcing there's one who's coming who's going to help put things back to rights. And then the New Testament opens with this genealogy of all these names that comes down and ends with a, a big symbol crash. Ta-da! It's Jesus. And then Jesus makes his appearance, and the angels go, Wah! Hello! Good news of great joy, he's here. It's the baby, it's the little one. Go check it out. And then the Old Testament is, 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 is summed up in that way. And, and, and then you, so you see Jesus begins his ministry. And how does it begin? John the Baptist, he's out in the wilderness. He's like, y'all prepare, prepare the way because the Lord's coming. The God's going to show up in a special way. And then Jesus shows up and he goes, Behold, look, it's the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. Bingo. There it is. And if it wasn't crystal clear at that point, and we weren't getting it at that point, Jesus says to John, hey, I need you to baptize me. And so when they go down in the Jordan River, they're getting baptized. You get the coolest public service announcement ever. It's the voice of God from heaven like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, y'all, can I uh, look up here for a sec? Um, this Jesus is my beloved son. Um, I love him. 
listen to him, follow him, he's the guy. Got it? Okay, I'm done. Couldn't have been any more clear. Say it with me. It's all about Jesus. He's the centerpiece of the plan. Then he begins to usher in this whole new kingdom of God thing, and he says, you know, he tries to live humbly and do it all and model it, but then he says, I want you all in. It's an all play. We need everyone. The way this works is that that everyone gets in on this, and so he invites people then as he invites you today to join him, to follow him, to become part of his plan, to be a follower, a disciple by saying, I trust in you, I believe in you. You're the son of God, I will do what you say, and there's zero confusion, you guys, about who's at the very center of everything God's up to on this planet. John summarizes by saying there is no life outside of him. He's from God, he is God, he can bring God to us and us to God. He says, I'm the bread of life, I'm the living water, I'm the door, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, no one gets to the Father but by me, and you're going through something scary, going through something hard, go through something difficult or worrisome, or you're winning, and you're going through something great, and it's lovely and wonderful in your life right now. Doesn't matter, don't ever lose sight, there's a moonwalking bear in the middle of all that. His name is Jesus, and we got to make sure that it's not like we ourselves that we're putting first, because there's a crazy, crazy world out there that needs Jesus. So that's why it matters, not just for us. Like, it's important you get that right, but it's important because we got a job to do together. So one time Jesus was talking about how he would be glorified through his death on the cross. He said in John chapter 12, verse 32, he said, And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He's not just talking only about the cross. He's talking about the fact that when Jesus is lifted up, man, when, when we are able to put him on a pedestal and get out of the way so when people would look, they would not see us, they would see him that he will draw people to himself. Friends, this is the problem we have today is that a whole bunch of people are turned off by Christianity. A whole lot of people have a negative impression of church today. And some of that is kind of well-founded. But the reason they might feel that way is almost never because of Jesus. It's because of us. But if we can maybe do a little better job of making it more about Jesus and let him be lifted up, you know what? Jesus is pretty cool. People like Jesus. He's attractive. He's winsome. He's true. He's powerful. He's welcoming, and he's good. And when people meet Jesus, it makes sense very often. It's just they have to get over all the hurdles of the people who wear his name. And so that's what we're trying to do as a church is just like hold up Jesus like he said, and get out of the way a little bit. And so if anyone is attracted here, let's not have it be because they're attracted to you or me, but they're coming because Jesus is getting held up and they're like, I need me some more of that. It's all about Jesus. We need more of him with us, in us, because that's what people need. Like, they need that in their life. The Apostle Paul demonstrated this so well. Um, a few years back, uh, Carla and I were given a beautiful gift to go to Greece, and uh, we went to Corinth, the ancient town of Corinth, and back in the day, the Apostle Paul would have walked around there just a few years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, what they did is they had these 
public gatherings where like the philosophers and the teachers who are all very, very educated and very smart, brilliant people would come and they really valued uh, oratory and these rhetoricians would give these impressive speeches, these amazing flourishes of speech and persuade people and everyone would be wowed and interested in that and you would kind of bring out what you were trying to prove and it, you'd impress people with how smart you were and what you knew and people would be motivated. It was kind of their entertainment and their education all at once as people would applaud these masterful orators and walk away saying that was amazing. And so the Apostle Paul shows up there. None of these people had ever heard about Jesus or any of the Christian stuff. And he could have won at that game because he was very, he had like two PhDs in theology. He could have stood up and he was a very powerful speaker. He could have done all that, played the debate game and won. But it's so interesting to me that he he doesn't do that at all. He takes a very different approach. Instead of doing that, look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the first couple of verses. He says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come with, you know, displaying all my superior eloquence or my human wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony about God. No, no, no. When I was with you, I decided to be concerned about nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Like, the only thing I want to talk about is this Jesus guy. Make sure you know that he died and rose again. I'm not going to kind of give the most impressive TED Talk in the room. I'm not going to add my voice to the drone of noise that's out there where everyone's shouting to have everyone think I got the best idea. No, I just, I don't want you to lose sight of the moonwalking bear here. He's like, isn't it? It's a fascinating approach, and it's hopefully helping some of you see why we do what we do here. Because we've got, there's so many things that we do need to talk about. Like Paul, he did talk about other things in the whole letter to the Corinthians. But above it all is towering this one idea. We want to focus on him. Because we can get into so many arguments and detailed things. We've got to keep it simple on the Son of God who died on a cross, rose from the dead, and is now in restoring the world back to the way it is. And the question is, do you believe that? Do you accept him? Is he the center of your universe? Because everyone has to decide what you're going to do with this Jesus. Around here, we say it's all about Jesus. Now, a little excursus here for you, uh, because about this education thing, I'm a huge fan of education, Christian education, actually. I, and maybe part of that's because I did well at school, you know, through, through high school and college and grad school and doctoral work and all that. I love diving deep and studying all that. And I'm teaching a college course right now. My, my, both my dad and my grandpa were college professors at Christian universities, and I, and I, I love the fact that people dive deep and do great things. Don't hear me wrong on this. But all of our education and our accomplishments should never point to us, but to the one who gave us the brains in the first place. So when I was in seminary, trying to go deep in all these important things, you know, I'm studying, uh, they made us read a guy named Karl Barth. Uh, you've probably never heard of Karl Barth, and that's okay. But you've been influenced by him, whether you know it or not. He was probably the most influential theologian of the 20th century. He kind of tilted theological attention in Protestant circles in a certain direction. One time he was speaking before his death in the 60s in the U.S. He was from Switzerland. 
And this guy was like a brilliant mind, one of the keenest, sharpest dudes you ever meet, written hundreds of books, and his crowning achievement was Church Dogmatics. It fills 13 volumes, which is, takes up a lot of space on a lot of shelves of people like me. This brilliant man had got done with his speech, and one of the seminary students, eager and young, asked him a question like, Dr. Bart, how would you summarize all of the systematic theology and the teaching and the erudite stuff that you've come up with? What, how, what would be your summary of all of it? And he thought for a minute, and in his broken English with his Swiss dialect, he said, it comes down to this. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I've thought about that about a million times since then. It's a good reminder for you and me too, isn't it, that it's all about Jesus and all the books and all the learning and do. Yes, go deep, study, grow, memorize, devote yourself, but none of it equals Christ-likeness. The Pharisees had degrees in Bible, and they didn't get it. The devil can quote scripture. That's not the point. Don't ever lose sight of the moonwalking bear. What Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 is he says, here's how I want you to think about me. So here's this guy. He's a big shot. He's an apostle. He's been with Jesus. He's like, wow. He's like a, up there on a pedestal. He says, no, no, no. Here's how I want you to think about me. I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, what are you known for? What do you want people to know you for? Is it about you? Is it about what you've done? Paul says, I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ. And what about our church? What do we really want people? Oh, that's the old church. That's the church with the big building. Or boy, up there at, the, at, the, at Aberdeen, they have that beautiful facility. Or Edgewood, boy, they have the epicenter there and all that cool stuff they're doing. Or, you know, it's like, over at Abingdon, wow, that commons area. It's like, you know, hey, hey, in the middle of all that, it's like, that's not it. What is it? It's all about Jesus, you know. This week, we, we met with the county executive, happy to meet with him. Great relationship we're trying to form there, and it's, it's been wonderful. He loves the church and all this amazing stuff going on. You're doing this with students, that with addictions, that with young kids and young adults and grief groups and all this stuff, and it's amazing. And we're like, yeah, 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 but it's all just passing the ball. Don't miss it. In the middle, it's all about Jesus. That, that's the whole point of everything we're doing. And some are like, you know, I see all oh, the staff is so impressive here. Like Jared. Jared is so cute. Well, he's cute. I hear that every week, how cute Jared is. It's like, okay, whatever, you know. Or Luke, Luke preached that great, great sermon. Or, you know, Luis and, you know, Sarah and Caleb and, and Kirk. And, you know, what's he going to do with that beard? And what's on his head? And all this stuff. And, and Ben, you know, those predictions are so amazing. You know, we, we love that. We, you know, can't wait or whatever. Listen. Uh, we're just like you, servants of Jesus Christ, because it's not about a pastor or a person or any other thing on a pedestal. Help me out here. It's all about Jesus, the one whose name is above every other name, Jesus. Because listen, here's why it's important, because we can't do anything on our own. Without Jesus, we're just a social club, Okay? Without his power at work, we can't do ministry. You don't have any strength. Jesus said one time, John 15, verse 5, he said, I'm like a vine, and you guys are just branches on the vine. If you pull the branch off, the branch is dead. There's no fruit going to keep coming off of there. That's how we are. We're just a vine. You're just a vine. You can't do anything. We can't do, without Jesus, we're just like a superstitious, religious bunch of nut jobs, okay? But with him, we have his power and his presence and his Holy Spirit in our midst. 
Without that, we can't do anything. I can't change a human life, and neither can you. You can't convict someone of sin. You can't forgive someone. You can't, you can't be the higher power someone needs to get over their addiction. You can't make a greedy person generous or a selfish person kind. Nobody can, we can't do any of that, you guys. But together... Through the power of God working in our midst, he says, I will be with you. I will be in you. I will help reverse the curse of sin on the planet. I'll bring healing and help and hope. It's all about Jesus. So that's why Hebrews 12, 2 just says, look, you got a lot. Of, you got to run this race. You do. But listen, as we do, let's keep running, but let's keep looking. Where? Look, there's a lot of places we can look, you guys. A lot of places we can look. What are we going to do? We're going to keep our eyes out front on the one who's out in front, the forerunner of our race, Jesus Christ. Keep one thing straight. And let's remember, listen, people don't need Mountain Christian Church, okay? What they need is Jesus. He's the hope of the world. People don't need our worship services. They don't, they don't need our small groups, our student ministries, our kids, our service offerings. What do they need? They, they need Jesus and the community that he creates. As, as, long as, as long as we're doing that, okay, then we, we have a purpose. But we're just a means to an end. The goal isn't to get someone to church. The goal is to get someone to Jesus because there's hope and healing in his name. So as long as Jesus is who we're pointing to, then we have a reason for existing for another however long. There's an old Latin phrase. It goes, ubi Christus, ibi ecclesia. It just simply means wherever Jesus is, there's the church. Wherever Jesus shows up, good things going to happen. Grace is going to explode. Power enters the picture. Healing can occur. God shows up because Jesus is that way, that avenue, that channel, that door. It's not the other way around. Like wherever you have church, that's where people think, oh, i got to get me some Jesus. I guess i got to go to church. Like, no, 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 he doesn't need us, we need him. It's not Jesus who needs our ministry to do what he does. Our ministry needs Jesus, his power, his presence, his goodness, his direction, his love, his leadership, his correction. Without him, we're dead in the water. So we say all the time, we sing these words, man, Jesus, you're welcome here in my life, in my family, in our church. Because it's all about you. I love the story. I love the story in the book of Acts. You've got these two guys, Peter and John. They had hung out with Jesus, so they're all like, Jesus is awesome. Now, Jesus has died and he rose again. Now, they're walking around still living off the power of Jesus because they know Jesus is with them through his spirit. And they go into the temple as they did every day. And there's a bunch of people, blind and beggars, and everyone hanging out there at the temple gates. And, and, and they, they think they're just going to walk on by. And this guy says, hey, you got any money for me? And they go, you know what? I don't. I don't have anything. Silver and gold, I don't have anything like that. But I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And that man gets up, his ankles that had been broken since the time he was born, crippled. He starts dancing around. Friends, listen, do you realize the power that exists in Jesus' name still today on this side of the resurrection? Do you realize that? There's a lot of things I can't give you, but I'll just give you the name of Jesus because it's the thing that you need in your life. Do you realize the very utterances of his name causes demons to tremble, sin to be forgiven, things to be healed that are broken? Are you living on your own power? 
Or are you living under and for the name that is above all names? Trying to make a name for yourself? Or are you living under the name of Jesus of Nazareth? In that story, everyone started making a big deal about the two guys that, you know, did the healing. Peter and John, like, oh, those guys are amazing. Wow. And all, they're like, whoa, 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 time out. Why are you looking at us? as if we did this, Acts 3.13. They said, it's by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your ancestors, that, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus Christ by doing this. It's not even about the healing. It's about Jesus. Even when God gives you a gift, when he gives you a blessing, it's not about, oh, thanks for the thing. It's about thank you for Jesus. You see, everything points back to the giver. When something good, amazing happens in your life, the point is to give glory to Jesus Christ. Acts 3.16, they go on to say that is it in Jesus' name that, 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 that faith comes and you're healed through this guy. And you see that all the time in life. They go on to say, through Jesus' name, salvation is found in no other name. They say that, um, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's Jesus' name through which everyone is going to be saved. And I love this part after this. It says in chapter 4, verse 13, it says, um, it says, the members of the council heard all this. They saw all this stuff about Jesus. And they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Isn't that cool? So you had Paul, the smart guy, who's like, it's all about Jesus. And you got these guys who had never been to school at all. And they're like, there's something about these dudes. These blokes have been with Jesus, I think. It's not about their accomplishments. What a, I wonder, is anyone saying that about you? Like, man, there's nothing special about him. Nothing special about her, you know. I, I, you know, it's not like their family's that unusual or something. But it just, it feels like maybe they've been with Jesus. I think that's, each of us is called to live our life in such a way that someone who's going to have to put something on your headstone someday just might say, I think they had been with Jesus because there's something about the way you live. Isn't that beautiful? And after that, the story wraps up with the religious leaders all upset. They're like, yeah, you guys, stop it. Stop talking about Jesus. Psst, just, psst, just, psst. they're like, done. And Peter and John are like, I'm sorry. You think we're going to obey you or God? We're not going to stop talking about this. This, this is too good. I mean, we're not going to stop. And I love, I want to be that kind of church where we don't care what anybody says. We are not going to stop talking. We're not going to be intimidated. We're not going to, you know, balk. We're not going to walk out. We're not going to shut up because why? It's good news. We're here to let everyone know it's about one thing. It's about Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus is the one who didn't just walk around back then. He's the one that the Bible says in the future we're going to walk up to and drop to our knees before. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess before the name of Jesus Christ. And so the question isn't who was Jesus back then to Peter and John. The question is who is Jesus to you today? There is a particular uh, sermon that I heard years ago that invited me to put Jesus first in my life in such a way that I, I've really never thought the same ever since. And it convicted me and it helped me see it's not just someone from history. I want to make him my king now. 
Could I play a little bit of that sermon for you? And you can decide if you're ready to make a declaration about who Jesus is in your life. Could I play it for you? Okay, watch the screen. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. And make that your declaration. Think about it, you guys. It's crazy. He was born in an obscure little village, the child of a peasant woman. He, he worked in a carpentry shop till he's 30 years old. And, and then he walks around as a traveling preacher for three years. 
And when the tide of popular opinion turned against him, they turned him over to his enemies and all of his friends ran away. They tried him and convict him and, and they nailed him to a cross between two thieves and then they laid his dead body in a borrowed grave. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never owned a home. He never went to college. He never traveled more than a couple hundred miles from where the place he grew up. He never did a single one of the things that usually accompanies what we consider greatness in the world today. And yet, all the armies that have ever marched and all the governments that have ever prevailed and all the kings that have ever reigned, all the celebrities and the stars and the influencers who have ever commanded the attention of any given moment, all the spotlight people and the awards and the prizes and the recognition and the adoration of presidents and princes and people and personalities, all of them combined have not affected life upon earth as powerfully as this one solitary life. And on the day that he died, it looked as if whatever small mark he had made on the world would vanish as quickly as he had come. Instead, instead, you know what? His impact on countless lives through history is unparalleled. Jesus' impact was greater 100 years after his death than it was during his life. And 500 years later, greater still. And 1,000 years after his death, I mean, it was clear at that point that all of Western civilization and the European continent and therefore the rest of the world would be shaped by the life of this one man. And 2,000 years later, he's got more followers in more places than ever. And there are 8 billion people on the planet. A third of them claim the name of Jesus Christ. And billions of people have come and gone. But towering above them all is this most familiar, dearly loved figure whose influence has swept over history like the tail of a comet, influencing the inspiration for art and shaping the sciences and inspiring philosophies of government and introducing concepts of compassion in medicine and leading the way of development in education. Do you know who's responsible for shaping our modern concepts about human dignity or compassion or forgiveness and hope? All those ideas, they come from Jesus. Kings and kingdoms have all passed away, but there's something about that name. And the great empires that once dominated the world's landscape, like Caesar and Nero, were so powerful, no one could imagine that a day would come like ours when those names, Caesar and Nero, are names we give to our dogs and pizza parlors and, and casinos. But yet the name of Jesus Christ is still the name above every other name. It is in Jesus' name that desperate people cry out in prayer. It is in Jesus' name that grateful people say, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and worship with their hands in the air. It is in Jesus' name that angry people swear. It is in Jesus' names that, that babies are blessed and marriages are pronounced and sick people are prayed over and dead people are buried. We literally, you guys, we are hatched, matched, patched, and dispatched in the name of Jesus. 
And we laugh about my silly Super Bowl predictions, but one prediction the Bible makes that is 100% accurate, and that is that on that day that's coming, every knee will bow. Think of it. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And on that day, it won't matter what you thought about the Super Bowl or Taylor Swift. It won't matter your education level, your skin color, or who you voted for, or what you impressed everyone with in this life. The only thing will matter on that day is, did you see in the middle of it all, there was a dance? bear and his name was Jesus. What did you do with Jesus? It's the only question that matters. Did you know he loves you? Did you know he offers forgiveness and has proved his love for you on a cross and rose again and that same power is available to you in your life and you're invited to fix your eyes on him and follow and trust and obey him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength? Did you know it? This is so important, you guys. This isn't a sermon for me. This is personal. He's my Savior, and He's my Lord, and He's my King. He's not a historical figure. He walks with me, and He talks with me. I spoke with Him this morning about you. He's forgiven me over and over and over again. And I want to just give my one life to help you answer the question that he wants to know. Who do you say that I am? He's my king. I hope you can say, he's my king. And you'll be ready for that day if you make that decision on this day. And I hope that you will. God, we thank you for Jesus. And we want to ask your help in making him the focal point of what we're here to do. Forgive us for getting all caught up and losing sight of stuff in our lives and just help us to invite more of Jesus into our life. Help us to look like him more so the world doesn't get all messed up and, and then just bring us together, Lord, in a mindset that would create a church that's more like the time will be in heaven when we gather together and the center of the party is Jesus. We're all gathered around him. Help us to see it, feel it, and live it out here until that day comes. We ask all this in the strong and beautiful name of our King, my Savior, our Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, louder.